listening to the Mark Petrone Podcast. Joe Warmington on the line. Joe is a regular on the Mark Petrone Show, and we always appreciate it. Joe, of course, a longtime journalist with the Toronto Sun and Post Media now. Joe, welcome to the show. I know you're not feeling too thrilled these days and very, very well, concerned and justifiably so over the events in Afghanistan where people you personally know remain trapped in that country as the Taliban conducts these uh, these vicious attacks on anybody who is deemed to have uh, worked with the Americans or, in this case, the Canadians. Yeah, it's a very, very difficult period of time you know, for the country, for in my own life, uh, to to know people that are uh, you know that are going through something like this, and uh, you know, there's only so much we can do. We're doing everything we can do, um, but yeah, the results aren't always there, and it's uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of sleepless nights. And of course, the time zone, Mark. You know, part of the sleepless nights are because you're on the phone or doing things with people in a different time zone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know how many hours ahead they are. They're nine hours ahead. Okay, nine hours. Yeah. All right. So you've got to factor that into any um, everything. Uh, you know. So you, your latest column in the Sun, the story is uh, there will be no movie about rescue mission heroes uh, that didn't show up, didn't show up for. And so it is sad, unfortunately, as many of the people there feel betrayed that the Canadians, certainly the Americans, uh, who left uh, in a very haphazard, chaotic way, uh, pulling troops out. And uh, you know, the, the expected happened, which is that the Taliban uh, pretty much overran the army, or maybe the army uh, that uh, Biden claims was going to defend uh, Afghanistan, it rolled over and said, uh, you know, handed over, their, dropped their weapons and didn't even fight in many cases. And so, I mean, I don't mean, I don't mean to be... Uh, you know, harshly critical of the army in Afghanistan. There's a culture there. And so without the Americans there as, uh, you know, providing help and support and all the things that they do, then there was really very little incentive for these people to fight. And so well, now, of course, yeah. uh, you have a large group, just quoting from your, your story here, a large group of Afghan interpreters and their families were gathered together by Canadian government officials in a group and waited all day and all night for the heroes to come and take them to safety. Uh, and that never happened tragically. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Kevin Newman has also been writing about this. Most of the media are ignoring it. Now, having said that, that was a failed rescue uh, operation that didn't you know, get the green light, if you will. The people were there. They, they were all set. They, were, they had instructions. They were waiting for heroes to show up. The heroes wanted to show up. They were all ready to go, but somebody couldn't let them go for whatever reason. And I'm not second-guessing that. I mean, there's there could be very good reasons for that. But at the same time, it doesn't help these people sitting out in the sun. And they were there for, like, basically for 40 hours, some of them, wearing red, you know, waiting, uh, thinking this was a rescue. Now, uh, that's the negative. The positive is there have been rescues. There have been uh, great efforts on the ground by the Canadians there. And we're not able to tell all the stories yet, but we will. Uh, I try to be fair, as you know. Um, and, you know, we feel that we're pushing them uh, to, to do things, and they and they do respond. And so there's a number of people that I do know that we, we, we don't know for sure if they're true, but we think they maybe we have lost contact. And there's others that, that haven't got through, 
And there's the interpreter that I work with, that Christy Blatchard worked with, Matthew Fisher. He's stuck there. Um, he's had no luck. Everything he's done hasn't worked. He got right into the the airport and it was sent away. And he wasn't the only one. There was others because of this visa issue. And it was the passport issue before that. Red tape. You know, red tape in, in Kabul at a time when it's a humanitarian crisis is still rearing its ugly head. We're trying to fix it, but it's hard to fix it because it's there's no system in place. The red tape and the bureaucracy in, in place, but any of the stuff that supports it is not in place. And we're hearing, of course, reports of beatings, executions. Uh, we understand, according to a story in the Telegraph, the UK Telegraph, that a woman was set on fire when yes. uh, the Taliban officers complained about uh, her cooking not being up to snuff. And now, of course, there's another deadline looming, as you know, Joe, August the 31st, the date given by the Taliban uh, to the Biden administration, which says, uh, look, you'd better leave by that date or else. And so well, there is a fear there that this is just the beginning, that things could get a lot worse. Well, no, for sure, because the Taliban leadership has held together their you know, their supporters or their Taliban members, if that's the right way of saying it, fairly well. I mean, you know, they, they've instructed them to not do all of the things they want to do. <clears throat> but how long do you do that for? Um, you know, the, the structure, the command, the discipline, all that's not there. So it's only a matter of time. <laughs> so, you know, that, and that's why you're seeing these stories. And, of course, you don't see all the stories because there's no media there. And uh, there's very little media there. So we're relying on the people like the interpreters and other people like that to put stuff out. We get it. We put it up there. Some of us do. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, it's a real problem. And when the world isn't watching anymore in a week or two, you can imagine that, you know, I, I don't even want to think about it. what will happen. Well, we've seen that movie play out uh, when armies have uh, defeated uh you know, an army, uh, another army, and, and taken over. There's inevitable cases of retribution, um, you know, execution. It's also control, uh, like the, there's internal squabbles too. I mean, outside of, let's not kid ourselves, the Taliban, the 70,000 Taliban, hasn't really had to fight for this. I mean, so, you know, if anybody challenges them, ISIS or some other force, or even, you know, an Afghan, um, you know, civil war kind of, uh, resistance all this is coming i mean the, the the taliban is playing ball right now because they're trying to you know kind of solidify they've got control of this thing get everybody out so they, they only have a few moves and their moves and their tactics have always been extreme violence to create fear yeah. i can't see them changing changing those tactics unless they have some sort of a deal that they trust with another you know country with lots of means if, yeah. if you know so yeah, there, there are financial incentives for the uh, for the Taliban to play ball as well. I understand there's Afghani gold uh, in New York, uh, all sorts of other financial um, measures at the disposal of the Americans. But uh, I want to, uh, you mentioned Kevin Newman doing a terrific job. This story that he posts on uh, his Substack uh, account, uh, Kabul shows the unflattering truth. Canada is slow, risk-averse, and selfish. Kevin Newman, uh, while French commandos and buses got their people out, we sent texts in English telling our friends to head to the airport, to your point, Joe, on their own. And it's, it's been a colossal failure. And, and um, my heart breaks when I think of you 
going back and forth with uh, some of the people stuck there. Uh, they're appealing for help. They're not getting the help that they need. And uh, you're trying to give them hope. But on the other hand, you have to deal with the reality of just of what Kevin Newman is talking about here. Slow, risk yeah, averse. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, you know, if you go back and read my columns on it, I've said all those same things. And and I and I pointed out right from the beginning that these people were on their own. And, and that was always a concern to me. And then we tell them, you know, you're on your own, but here, do this. And then, of course, we don't deliver. Uh, now, we have delivered more. And, and in fairness, because of Kevin's stories and, and others uh, like that, they do listen, they do respond. And it's a lot easier for us to point out things. Kevin knows this. And then it is to actually have it happen. I mean, you know, like there's nobody in Ottawa that I know of anyway, and I'm not, you know, it's, that doesn't want this to go better. It's just there's also realities on the ground. And um, and so we don't have the equipment. <clears throat> we don't have the infrastructure, if, you know, the, the actual, you know, like there may be a few hundred people there. But we don't have helicopters. We don't have all kinds of – it's not a movie, you know, where Rambo is going to come in and, and save the day. The Americans are having a hard time too. But uh, the bottom line is that there's, there should be an inquest, inquiry of some kind, into what happened here from A to Z. How do we get here? And, uh, of course, it won't be hard to figure that out because we've seen it before in Vietnam and other places. You can't, you can't break something and then not own it, you know. And that's exactly what they did. They gave false hope. And the people there don't trust anymore. And why would they? You know, yeah. They want to get here. They want to save their families. A lot of them are walking away. They have decent homes and things like that and cars and businesses. You know, my guy's got he's got a car. He's got five cell phones. He's got a home. He's got a life there. But he also knows when everyone goes, they're going to chop his head off, you know. And he knows that because he's been threatened for years. I mean, I he was already burned before. When I met him, he showed me all the burns in his body. So it's not like he doesn't know what's going to happen. He's about, I think he's about 40 years old now. I've known him when he was 30, and he was already, they already tried to kill him then. So it's not going to get better. And now we know that the Department of Foreign Affairs closed its embassy in Kabul, even though it knew Canadian citizens remained st- trapped in there so not just afghani people that we had commitments with or made promises to but canadians as well and that uh, cabinet had said that all canadians were quote safely on their way back to canada unquote turns out that was a bald-faced lie joe because the department would not account for uh lousy planning after 2019 uh, when a federal report predicted Two years ago, that Afghanistan would collapse quickly as soon as uh, the United States pulled its forces out. So I don't understand why this was such a big surprise. No, and, and it's, it's like I've said, you know, you've got a, a problem with your tooth or something like that, and you leave it until it's abscessed. And of course, a lot of us do that. But then you've got an abscessed tooth. And, and that's kind of like here. It's not like we didn't tell them for many years all these different things. I'm no expert on Afghanistan. I mean, I was there for eight nights. I mean, what do I know about it? But I did know that this was going to go into a humanitarian crisis and read my columns and go back and look. It's all there. I mean, it's explained what would happen or what could happen. And so, you know, we don't want to sit there and point fingers and be like that. But at the same time, you know, you have to wonder about why, why do these people that are in charge 
not listen. Like they don't share information. There's all these great people that are working on this that have all kinds of points of view. I saw this great interview with uh, General Eisenhower um, after he was president and he was retired and he went back to the uh, cemeteries in France and there's rows and rows of cemeteries. And the interviewer said to him, hey, listen, you know, your decisions won this this war. And he said something to this effect that all these young men that are buried here won this war. And he said, and, and the ones that are back home, uh, that got to go back home, they won this war. And he talked about this private that was from somewhere like West Virginia or Pittsburgh. He was a sheet metal kind of steelworker kind of guy. <clears throat> he showed these mounds, and they couldn't figure out how to get the tanks around them. And this guy just went with his you know sheet metal stuff and put together this kind of like knife that you put on the front of the tanks and the trucks, and it went straight into them, not around them or over them just straight through them and just took them out now that got them through that particular checkpoint if you will next time there was you know those things had you know different things in them uh, as the germans and the the enemy learned what was you know what the tactics were but the point is that that was not a and he said this the general said this um that was not a decision by a general that was a private that thought of that and just did it and that's why they won the war. You take that away, and that's what's happened here. Everybody just sit back and let us do this, and we're not going to do it very well, and we're not going to be able to, to tell you anything. You know, this is the result you get. And um, and, the, and this is just in the rescue operation. I'm talking just overall. Does that make any sense? I mean, I, I kind of I hope I'm explaining it properly. The bottom line is that it has to come yeah. from the bottom up, not the top down. Right, so people there. But my understanding, Joe, is that uh, some of our remaining military personnel have been told not to get involved or to stay uh, out of it. Or have you heard something like that? You you hear things like that, and you don't know what the truth is. But I know this: that when you're in the middle of a humanitarian crisis and you are engaged in it, it's awfully hard to walk away from it. To say, "Look, I've had enough of this. It's uncomfortable now." Uh, it's not safe, you know, uh, we could get in trouble. I mean, all that's out the window. <clears throat> you know, we've got to finish this job. We promised these people that we were going to take care of them. So let's see it through. Everybody on our list needs to come. And you know what? I think that that is happening to the best uh, that they can. Uh, it's not good enough, of course. And, of course, you can't control the Taliban. And you can't control sort of the underground economy that's starting to pop up there people that are, you know, doing bribes and different things to try to survive, you know. Absolutely. There are a lot of Afghans that have money there, and they're prepared to give it to other people to help them save their lives. Well, well, that starts happening, and we've seen that before, too. Absolutely. You know the rest. I mean, you know, so so anyway, it's a, it's a big problem. This has not been an easy time, and you can tell I'm measured in what I say because I don't I don't want to be that guy that, just screams at people and says, you know, you suck. I mean, because that's not going to help us. And it's not even accurate. There's lots and lots of good things or people that are trying hard and working hard on all political parties and spectrums and ideas. But at the same time, it's like anything. If you score three goals in a game and you lose the game, it doesn't matter how many goals you scored. This is lives. This isn't a game. 
yeah. And, and you, so that's what we're talking about. And you've written about it so very well in, in the pages of the Toronto Sun. They had their hopes up and dashed so many times. Hard enough, I'm just quoting from Joe's story, hard enough to be waiting at an airport for a flight that never comes, but throw in 35 degrees Celsius uh, temperatures, the Taliban beating people and shooting in the air, the starvation, thirst, screaming babies, lack of sleep, and the indignity of having to go to the bathroom in a place where there are no bushes, and it's no wonder they call this the gates of hell. Anyway, continue your fantastic work on this, Joe. Um, well, thank you. My colleague Brian Passifium has also done great work on this, and Laurie Goldstein and yeah. Anthony Fury, different people, and obviously the other. A lot of the media has checked out on this. Um, Kevin Newman, I, 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 you know, I don't, I've met him. I mean, I certainly admire his uh, career, but he also is a guy worth reading too because he's right on top of this. And Why do you suppose they've checked out? This is a huge story. I think it's because of the election. I mean, this this is, you know, the, the biggest thing I've talked about, that the election should have been suspended. I think there's a need for an election. But I don't think that you come out from Rideau Hall, as the Prime Minister did. And before, I just met with the GG, he said, now let's talk about Afghanistan. Yeah. So he doesn't talk about the election, he talks about Afghanistan. And then he gets into talking about climate change and this and that, we're going to have this election. Well, here's the problem he has, is that, Every decision he makes, he's scrutinized under the, through the lens of the problem in Afghanistan. So that means he's making decisions. It's like if somebody's, you know, on a sports team, and they, you know, they're betting on, on the game. They react to, to it the way, you know what I mean. They have something to lose. You don't want, you don't want a prime minister or any minister or anybody in a position to be, you know, they have to make difficult decisions and they don't want to play a particular way in a poll or on a, at the ballot box. And that's the position he put himself in and it puts everybody at risk. Now, it's good for the media in a way because, you know, he, he's held to account every day because the media is with him and they ask about it. If he, if he hadn't called the election, he could be, you know, hiding away somewhere saying, I'm working on this, can't tell you anything. And the public wouldn't know about it. So actually, he boxed himself in, Mark, with that. But he shouldn't have called the election until the Afghanistan situation sorted out. We've got our men and women in harm's way there, and also people that supported us, allies, etc. And so I don't, I don't want him to feel pressure to make a decision, you know, because he's worried about how it's going to play out in the media that's going to affect his election. That's true. Uh, and, and I don't think it's fair to the opposition either, because let's say it goes really well for him. Then they get to, he gets to use that and say, look, all the people I saved. And, of course, the spin doctors do both. They say, no, we're doing a great job. And then, of course, we're saying, well, yeah, you're doing a great job except for this, this, and this. Uh, so, anyway, that's my feeling on it. Uh, but, anyway, they're not going to change it, I guess. Uh, they should never have done it. No, I don't know where Aaron O'Toole is. I mean, this is so, so tailor-made for him. He's a veteran. Yeah. You know, He's been involved with this project. I mean, I work with him in 2015 and 16 to get James a cam out. I mean, he knows all about this, and yet he's very silent about it. Well, he's been uh, on the healthcare beat, and so uh, he'll, he should be on this. This is a huge story, especially if the government He doesn't Canada, want to take advantage of it, I think. I think what no, he he's worried about. He politicizing it. I, I understand. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's, that's fair. Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate this, as always. Thank you. And you can catch Joe's uh, great work in the pages of the Toronto Sun. 
You've been listening to the Mark Petroni Podcast.